Welcome to the show, everybody. So today I have a brilliant podcast for you. So our guest, Leland Holgate, is best known as the CEO and founder of The Willful Warrior. Leland is an Air Force combat veteran, a studying neuropsychologist with a forthcoming double doctorate and a breathwork specialist. He is also, he's healed from being a quadriplegic and a paraplegic, as well as healing cancer, addiction, PTSD, and depression, all through the utilization of breathwork, meditation, yoga, and mindset. And this guy's story is wild. This whole, like this podcast is literally all about how he grew up and how he ended up today and just the wild, wild journeys he's went on. And in between these different parts of his story, we dive into what he learned at these different parts. Like again, his, his radical perspective on breath work, which he opened my eyes to things about the literal, like, you know, biology of breath work and how it actually physiologically epigenetically can change the body and turn on like how breath work can literally create stem cells in the body how it can turn on and off genes epigenetically and it just man he's a brilliant dude but in the conversation we dove into leland's incredible story of transformation as i just mentioned including growing up in an abusive household with a military father how that led him to become someone who uh, thought he would uh find freedom in the military and the joke he learned about that. Um, but yeah, he also was trained to survive being a prisoner of war and he goes into the torture he endured with that, which is pretty horrific. Some of the things that he had to go through to be trained just in case he would be a prisoner of war is insane just blew my mind um he also goes into how he was declared dead for three minutes um in an accident on the water um after one of his missions and his incredible out-of-body experience that occurred that stuck with him for the rest of his life and actually got him kind of into this area of spirituality and epigenetics and dr joe dispenza and bruce lipton and all of the guys we know and love um He also talked about how this, you know, near-death experience and literally being dead for three minutes uh, led him to lose function of his entire body from the neck down and how he trained with a yogi to regain regain full control over his body again. Um, We also go over how his father committing suicide was a wake-up call to him and how he changed his life after that and because he was addicted to heroin, meth, um... Yeah, he was a he was an addict for eight years. Um, after you know he lost his body and regained full control of it again, and right when he was starting to turn his life around, his father committed suicide, which just propelled him forward to really change his life. Um, and then this culminated in where he is now in learning from Dr. Joe Dispenza, which changed his life. And he's since dedicated his entire life to teaching people breathwork and meditation. And he actually did uh, teach me some breathwork at the end of this, which sadly our internet was a bit choppy at that time. So I won't be able to include it in the podcast, but it was pretty radical. Um, Yeah. My whole body kind of how I described it was, it felt like, 
my whole body was just full of this kinetic energy. Like my whole body had massive center of gravity and it was like my skin and my muscles and my tissues were almost condensing in on myself. Like it was incredibly intense. Um, but it was, yeah, it was just incredible. And so, um, in the show notes of this podcast, you can find uh, information on, you know, all of this free stuff that he offers on his YouTube channel. And then if you want to join his Willful Warrior program, which I highly recommend because Leland is the real deal. You'll you'll just see. He's one of those guys where he's just so, so lovable. You know, he just he's funny, lots of laughter. We're just laughing the whole time and then getting, you know, super, super deep and going in and out of this levity and depth is just such a beautiful podcast but yeah i hope you all enjoy it everybody before we begin i want to take a moment to thank our first sponsor of the show listening to smile and its founder and personal friend of mine ian morris listening to smile is one of the companies leading the movement to bring frequency-minded music to the mainstream and for anyone who doesn't know frequency-minded music is music that is infused with binaural beats and frequencies that enhance and speed up our body's natural healing mechanisms and ian's music is actively healing the world and is currently inspiring open-minded leaders in silicon valley to include his music in their products and to help them create a workplace culture that is focused on mental health and well-being and i personally use listening to smiles products every single day to support me with stress relief and is my music of choice for my daily meditation practice and listening to smile has two main programs the first is their personal wellness program and this is for personal use and this consists of healing albums for stress relief pain relief and anxiety relief and the second program is their affiliate program this is what i'm currently part of and this is for commercial use and this is the exciting one so what you get with this is two free starter albums and one brand new album every single month you also get access to monthly live coaching events with founder ian morris and commission earnings on album sales a 50 percent discount on all music purchases and licensing right licensing rights to use and resell lts music for commercial use so If you're interested in transforming your life and entering the expanding frontier of frequency-minded music, be sure to go to www.listeningtosmile.com and experience it for yourself. And at checkout, make sure to use code ANTON to get 40% off all albums and $100 off of their affiliate program. So enjoy, everyone. I also want to take a moment to thank our second sponsor of the show, Vidara, and their My Indigo Sun magazine. The mission of My Indigo Sun is to help you live a healthy and inspired life and is dedicated to bringing you the latest and greatest information related to the realms of the body, mind, and spirit. And I actually met the founder, Katerina, um, at an event earlier this year. And within five minutes, it was very clear that we were aligned and that we were going to be doing a partnership. And like myself and many of you, the people of Vidara are dreamers who see that the beautiful world we see ahead of us starts with us. So in addition to being their in-house podcaster, I'm also part of the working group helping my Indigo son to transition into a world-class publication. So if you're interested in transforming your life and taking part in an evolving spiritual community, be sure to go to www.myindigosun.com and check out the magazine for free. And now on to our podcast with Leland Holgate. Well, 
Leland, welcome to the show, brother. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, dude. We're, we're, we're going to have some fun, man. So starting off, though, as we talked about off camera when we first met, I want to like you have a fascinating story and everybody's going to see this. Like literally most people's stories have like three pillars. Yours literally has like, I think, eight. So please <laughs> literally take us through the story of your entire life. Take us from childhood trauma, little Leland, up until now. Take us through everything, man. Take as long as you want. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah, that's that's quite the story. Many times I have to kind of like turn it on drip, you know what I mean? Because you don't want to yeah. just vomit your whole story on someone sometimes. So, yeah, we'll take this slow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, it started from a, a young age. You know, I, I was a, uh, a military brat, grew up in uh, Italy, born and raised in Vicenza, to a father who was a, um, a ranger, so our special forces army ranger. He was a, he was a bit of a, a psychopath. <laughs> I love him to death. He was he was still my hero. It was this interesting, you know, uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, and then oh, wow. also some, somehow still a hero. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. dad is always the hero to a boy, especially since he was soldier guy. Mm. So uh, yeah, that was that was interesting, and it was I. I kind of found this empathy as a kid because I would watch him switch and it would go into full, full on mode where I was either protecting my mom or protecting him, uh, my brothers and sister oh. from him. So it was this interesting go back and forth for pretty much my whole childhood. So that was the start of it. Um, moving all the way into wanting to join the military because I got tired of being told what to do. So I thought that was the right move to make. I'm going to go be my own. <laughs> and get told what to do in the military all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Way to go. Good choice on that. I'm tired of you telling me what to do. I'm joining the military. <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was interesting because then that switch, it kind of let me see why he was such a damn psychopath. Like why he, even just on the training side, moving through like seer training and pow training like holy crap dude that's a whole two oh. to three weeks of uh yeah yeah prisoner so, that's of war training whoa yeah yeah so that's that was interesting and whenever whenever i went through just the training side of that i was like all right <laughs> starting to get the picture now i see why he was such a psychopath holy crap uh and of course he was operational an actual operator that was out there uh desert storm uh Desert Shield before that, all that stuff. So, yeah, it was it was interesting to go through all of that myself, um, and then move into becoming a loadmaster. And I wanted to start PJ training, pararescue training, um, but of course I had that neck injury, and of course they don't want you after you break things and make yourself a little useless. But, and and wait, wait a minute. How, so, what was this neck injury? Did this happen in the military or before? It happened in the military. We, we came back from Yugoslavia, Operation Anvil. Uh, we were over there freeing the people of Kosovo and Albania from Slobodan Milosevic. So when we came back from the, uh, the war over there, well, it, was, it wasn't even really a war. It was a conflict because it was just 60-something days of us knocking their dick in the dirt. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so yeah, when we came back, of course, blown off steam. And when you do the things that we do, 
you, you kind of have to go high rev, you know what mm. I mean? You got to do some high adrenaline type stuff. So we got one of the fastest craft on the water that we could pull an inner tube behind and the inner tube is barely oh. hitting the water. As oh, you're man. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this could go either way. It's going to oh. be really fun. Uh, or, and I got the oar. So the boat <laughs> went to the left and I just went flying off this thing. There was no way to hold on. And as soon as I hit the water, that was it. I just blacked out. Shit. And everybody on the shore said I looked like a folding chair, just like skipping across the top of the water. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that was a whole bunch of fun. And um, apparently drowned, was dead for a little over three minutes. My friend oh, had to pull me to the shit. shore. Yeah. Uh, and in that time, is when I had one of the most interesting experiences, which is what kind of culminates or starts. It was a catalyst for where we are today. But I uh, had one of those out-of-body experiences where I'm watching mm. the dude revive me on the shoreline. Like, it was, it was quite interesting. And I knew everybody afterwards was like, how the fuck did you know that? Like, mm. well, I watched the dude doing it. He did it in a very interesting way. It was like he jammed his knuckles into my ribs and did the xylophone action to try to... Uh, massage the heart back into to kicking so i could you know come back so it was interesting because there was no thoughts in my head it was just peaceful there was no wants no needs just this isness about mm. everything just just being it was absolutely peaceful it was it was the most beautiful experience that i'd ever had in my life um and then contrast come slamming back into my body and I wake up in the ambulance to beeping machines and I've got the horse collar around my neck and it's like the back of your your skull the occipital lobe is just throbbing because it's sitting on that collar and then we tune in to noticing that holy shit I can't feel anything below my shoulders and then I start to swallow and when I swallow like my Adam's apple would disappear I couldn't feel it and I was like Whoa. what the fuck is happening so yeah, go from the most peaceful, beautiful, blissful experience of your life to raw vomit. Um, it was it was one of those freak out moments, of course. You know, uh, nineteen years old, start of my life, start of my military career. Had plans of going special forces and uh, all kinds of things, and all of it just came to a halt right there. Wow, fuck, yeah. Yeah, so that was you could imagine there was a bit of self-loathing that was happening there. There was mm. there was a bit of bit of woe as me. The woe ambulance was definitely around for for the first couple of days um, as the doctors came in and did this whole managing uh, managing of expectations. You know, wow. you know contusion on the upper spinal column at C one C two shut everything down, and they give you the whole rigmarole. There's no healing nervous tissue. No telling the swelling is going to come down or anything is going to ever come back. So we kind of got to get used to this being your new normal. This wow. might just be your life. Yeah. So, yeah, you can imagine that was that was quite the deflating of the balloon moment. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So um, second day, Doc comes in, starts to do his whole spiel once again, talking about the contusion. Um and limitations and all this other stuff and just out of nowhere it was it was like you know what no fuck no and the moment that i screamed it i mean i was i was pretty loud and verbal with it <laughs> and the moment i moment i said that it was like the brachial plexus this this 
collection of nerves right here just kind of lit up and I felt these really? tingles go up and down my, my scalene muscles. Yeah. And that's, that's when I was like, ah, oh, okay, I got this shit. <laughs> I'm just going to yell at the world until I get my body back. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. It worked for me. Oh, man. <laughs> this is interesting. Keep going though, bro. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, um, it switched immediately from, you know, wanting to ask my friends to, to knock me off because life was over Whoa. and self-loading yeah. and all of that. Oh, man. Yeah, I was experiencing the whole up and down of the whole thing because, of course, you know, your whole life is over. You don't, yeah. you can't move anything anymore. You can't even go to the bathroom on your own. Yeah, it's like what, what, so, I'm, yeah. getting, what I'm getting from here is like you had this like abusive traumatic childhood, which made you think that the only way you could be happy and have a good life was being in the military. And then you lose yeah. your body and you lose your whole sense of like, well, this was my life. This was like, yeah. literally, this is what I trained myself to believe how I could be finally happy. And then it's yeah. just like gone. I, I, I can feel that, man. If I keep going. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was quite crazy. Um, that, and you know, it's funny too, because mixed that with the POW and the SEER training. And I know that's why that whole mindset hit me. Cause I just, I knew at that moment, all right, that's enough. I'm no longer going to be a prisoner in my own mind and, and I'm no longer going to be a prisoner in my own body. Whoa, so wait, wait. So the prisoner of war training actually was one of the things that liberated you. It was actually yeah, kind of like as, as, fu as fucked up as it was and how you could see how yeah. it screwed your dad up and turned yeah. Jekyll and Hyde for you is yeah. actually the thing you needed to get through yeah. this time of your life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because there were plenty of times during that training where they're, I mean, they literally break you. They break you mentally. And mm. there were moments where I'm like, holy shit, it's training, but you lose track of that when you're mm. in that moment because that's they're just great at it. So you lose <laughs> that and, and, and actually, I'm really curious, um, before yeah. we move on through story, take us actually through that. I find that fascinating. How do they break you? What is prisoner of war training like? Like, take us through that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, the first week that they throw you in there, they don't train you at all. They just they throw you in so that you can experience it fresh. And you can imagine your your quarters where they put you or where they keep you is, is basically this broom closet. And you're not allowed to sit down, you're not allowed to lay down, you're not allowed to sleep. So you have to stand at what they call the position of respect. And when we stand at attention, where usually our thumbs are down the, the end seams of our pants. Well, this is position of respect. We're no longer allowed to salute. We have to like bend over whenever we greet each other. They just, they just break you down with guilt and shame. You know, shame, 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 guilt. You're standing inside of this closet and they're constantly keeping an eye on you and you hear other people whenever they lean against the wall or start to pass out or whatever else get pulled out of their locker and beaten. Wow. So it's, it's this whole train. Yeah. It's just a full on training of, of breaking you down and making sure you don't feel like a person, you know, you're crapping and, and pissing in a, a, a coffee can and you have to go blindfold anytime you go around the base. So you're, you're traveling with your hand on your, you're the person in front of you, you know, you're not a person, you're, you don't have any privileges, you have nothing. And then of course there's the torture aspect of it that, that comes in at a certain point and the, uh, the questioning and, uh, there's, there's so many different aspects of it that they literally give you the feeling like it doesn't matter where you think you are, you have nothing, the world doesn't belong to you and mm -hmm. you aren't worth anything essentially. So yeah, they take everything from you and Whoa. those moments. What, what was the, the torture like? 
What did they do for torture? Uh, it was interesting. So as some, there were some times that they would take the squadron of us. So there's like eight of us, right? Or just a flight. And they would put us in these double-sided, uh, it's like a box. And it's got lava rocks in there. And that's your bed for the next few hours. So there's two levels, you know, four of us on the bottom, four of us on the top. And you probably got about a foot to a foot and a half that you're crawling in elbows and knees. And of course it's lava rock. So it's just freaking sharp as hell and, and very painful as you're crawling in. And then of course that's your bed for the next six Whoa. to eight hours or whatever. So even when you start, <sighs> you find these, you find these little positions where you get comfortable and then you start to relax and then, ee, 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 ah! <laughs> oh man, that's torture. It's like, yeah, it's like, it literally it wants you to relax so it can be yeah. like, cause the whole thing is like, I've done like DMT psychedelics. <clears throat> the worst trips I've learned are all, like, I, I feel like I've been possessed a couple times where I'll essentially like, I'll be tortured in my mind. Um, it will torture me. And then I will have a thought. I can get used to this. I can just learn to deal with the pain. Then it goes, guess what? We're going to switch it every two seconds. And so the <laughs> yeah, moment it, it, tw it twists it and then it, it's just terrifying. And then the moment I get used to it, it changes again. So from what you're saying, it's the exact same thing. It's like they've designed it. So it's not just permanently fucked up. It's like it's it's fucked, and then there's an there's an element of respite where you can kind of calm down, and then it's that that like it's like almost that raising and falling of tension so rapidly and all the time that you never are able to kind of get to any any one place mentally for very long. It's always spending energy being on alert, being aware of your body because everything is always changing. Yeah, yeah, they're real smart with it. It's it's all part of psyops, you know, and that's part of psychology is when you can create a constant stimulus and a response, constant stimulus and a response, now you're programming that person to pay attention to the things that you want them to pay attention to. Whoa. Yeah. Keep going, bro. <laughs> Keep going. This is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there were there were several points. Uh, I remember one time, actually, I was, I was a real smart ass, and he asked me who I was. <laughs> And I told him I was Batman. So he put me in this box. He put me in this box and told me to get into the Bat Cave. And it was probably about four feet by four feet square. But then you're in there and you've got your arms around your knees. And then you start to hear click, 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 click. And your head's coming down. You're like, what the fuck? And then you hear it even more and you feel your back coming in as well. Click, 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 click. So yeah, it's, and then they left me in there for about six hours. Uh, oh, man. And well, that was interesting. That was interesting because the, the worst part is when you, you finally get comfy and, and you start to fall asleep, they're banging on the thing or they're, you know, something's happening where they got you all freaked out. Um, and it's hard to breathe when you're all crunched in like that. You feel like you're suffocating, basically. So you have to really calm your breath patterns down. And, and let yourself like settle into the moment and just kind of settle. And then of course, when I let you out after six hours, you kind of come out and you just go, because <laughs> nothing works. It's like, you want to stand up, but you're like, Oh, <laughs> so it was, Oh yeah, it was, it was quite interesting. So all of that, of course, to say, you can tell why my brain now works like, oh, no, 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 I'm not staying here because that's the second half of the training is mm. they put you through that hell so that they can teach you. Just remember just to make it past this moment. Just 
make it past this. Just mm. make it past this. So you keep on, it's this series of events each day, each moment that you just can just make it past this. That's all you just make it past this. So it's constant evasion, resistance, and escape. Evasion, resistance, and escape. That's, that's wow. the seer part of that. So yeah, it's, it, it turns you into that, I will never be a prisoner again. And that's helped me through pretty much all of the ups and downs or that messy middle of life. But that was, that was definitely the pivotal moment for me with the neck injury and yeah. just being able to activate all of that and to realize, oh, okay, I still, I can control this. Like there is a way out of this. Yeah. So, so we're, we're right now, right after that. So they told you that you won't be able to have your body back. You said essentially like, fuck no, fuck this. Yeah. And then you got your, your muscles and your neck back. And then, so yeah, take us. In, into that later as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So if, when that happened, I knew everything was possible. I didn't know how the hell I was going to get through it, but I knew that if that one moment could change things, then I can continue to find moments like that. And I got introduced to my physical therapist. And thankfully, my physical therapist was an Ashtangi yogi. So he wasn't just teaching me yoga, you know, wasn't just teaching me the physical therapy side of things and stretching, but he was also giving me these really cool breath techniques, like teaching me alternate nostril breath uh, and bellows breath, which was kind of tough then because I was still regaining most of my upper body functions. But still, he taught me all these things. And we'd be doing stretches and he'd have me do like breath holds while I was doing a specific stretch. And then I'd like, what the fuck? And almost pass out and then come back from that. Like, what the hell was that? And he's like, just keep working with me. So over, over that time is when I was introduced to a lot of these ancient breath techniques and was just floored by the reactions that were happening in my body. You know what I mean? It took me less than six weeks to pretty much get almost total function back of my upper body. Of course, hands were weak and um, the fingers and all that stuff. What, it wasn't really powerful, but to be able to get that back. In only in six a, weeks. Only yeah, six in, weeks. In wow. such a short time. Yeah. So I knew everything from that point after meeting you know, Phil and going through all of that. I was like, okay, yeah, every, everything is possible. I'm coming back from this no matter what they've, they've said. So that, that started me on that journey. Um, and the thing is, is, of course, that was the physical component. I was young. I was, I was getting my, my vigor back. I was getting my libido back. I was getting my body back. So everything was coming back, and it was this really physical sense of things. The, uh, the mental component hadn't landed just yet, you know. So it was, mm -hmm. I still had some, some things to go through to realize that all of this was changing the mental component, and me becoming that person is what healed me. I hadn't landed on all of that yet. So that was when I went through uh, a lot of the combat stress from... Uh, one of the, the last moments when we left Yugoslavia, we were lit up by a surface-to-air missile. And in that eight to ten minutes, it was absolute sheer hell. Really? It felt like, yeah, oh my God. I mean, the alarms are going off. You're yanking and banking. It's like zero G out of nowhere. Shit's flying all over the aircraft. There's, there's all the alarm bells going off, and it's out of nowhere. Whoa. So as you're flying out of the area bells start going off and next thing you know you're just getting flown all across the aircraft and we're yanking and banking and kicking out chaff and flare trying to get away and 
it felt like three to four hours. <clears throat> There's that time dilation aspect, right? When you're yeah. super activated. Yeah. Same when you're super relaxed. If you're like yeah. super meditative, time passes. When you're super <laughs> activated, time passes. It just disappears. So it was only eight to 10 minutes. But in that eight to 10 minutes, like you could tell everybody's looking to me. Like I got the answers because <laughs> I'm in. I'm in the window looking for where the hell this thing is and, and kicking out chaff and flare. So, of course, everybody thinks I have the answers. I don't have the answers. I don't know what the hell I'm going to yeah. do. Yeah, and, and quickly for anyone that doesn't know, uh, shooting out flares is what you do when a missile is coming because the flare can essentially make it so the missile can't lock on to your aircraft, correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We actually, and crazy as it sounds, we actually turn in to the missile so we use our wings to cover up the engine heat and then kick out chaff and flare. So that way it goes after the flare. Oh. So that's why it's it's scary as shit because you're turning <laughs> oh. it to go towards it. Wow, ah! yeah. As you know, you literally yeah. might die. Like there's literally yeah. a missile coming at you. Like, I hope this thing goes after the flare. But, you know, thankfully we uh, we got lit up. We did not get fired upon. So thankfully, we got away from that situation without anything happening. But still, in eight to 10 minutes, everything's getting flown around the aircraft. Every one of us just ghost white. People are vomiting. Every, it's, everybody is automatically thinking like, oh, shit, this is how it ends right here. Yeah. All of those things going off because you hear all the stories. And, you know, the whole thing about a SAM is the chances to get away from one of those surface to air missiles, especially a big cargo aircraft. Wow. <laughs> There's not really a good chance of that happening. If it's a fighter jet, it has a fighting chance. You know, it's like a 66% chance that they can get away from a surface to air missile where a cargo aircraft. Which is still not that high. Six, that's not. only two thirds. Wow. Yeah, I know. You got to be good. You got to be good. So, yeah, of course, that's going through your head. You're like, okay, we're cooked. Like, that's it. So, in those eight to 10 minutes, that was what was playing over and over and over again in my head after the neck injury, especially it's like, you know, these, these night terror situations that would wow. happen. You just like wake up, you're smelling it, you're feeling it happening. You can hear it all going off in your head. And that just kept on going. Um, so of course I found things to numb. The VA got me started with some good medications. They turn you into a zombie basically yeah. like 13, 13 different medications Oof. for one person. Yeah. So you can imagine, uh, I became a bit of a pill junkie and then that <laughs> turned into everything else. Like, give it to me. Num, 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 whatever. Well, what, what, what was the, what was the highest, most crazy thing you were on? Like heroin? Uh, I, yeah. When I went all the way to heroin and meth, uh, you name it. If I could get it, if it did it, opium, whatever I needed, whatever I could get a hold of in that moment. You just know? a disconnect. Um, yeah. Anything I could do to just turn this thing off and, and just completely float away from the world. It was, it was uh, uh, it, a good six to seven years of wow. going through that whole gauntlet. Yeah, they thought, of course, <laughs> because of that, that you know there could be some substantial brain damage due to extended drug use and alcoholism. You know that was that was a constant thing. So thankfully, there all of these these things that I have done <clears throat> to reengage and heal the body. And now, of course, bringing those things out for other people is a big part of what I do. Yeah. And so when you went through this phase of, you know, pills and heroin and meth and alcoholism, 
Um, did you have full control of your body again at this point, or were you still kind of going through this metamorphosis? No, it's I was I pretty much at that point had regained you know control of my body. There were maybe small things like not being able to feel the bottoms of my feet, but over overall, I made a full recovery, right? So, um, looking back at that, it's like, why aren't you happy, dude? You made a full recovery. Well, like, that's, that's, that, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, because obviously, all your childhood trauma, all this stuff, yeah. what, what was like, you said eight years, so you had made this incredible yeah. recovery. You were, you were in the process of like, you knew you were going to recover fully, but then you went like, yeah. So what was the thing that was really, yeah. Like keeping you in that cycle. Yeah, it was, it was the age old, you know, if you don't solve the root of the issue, you're just going to continue to walk through each and every problem that, that continues to bring that forward. Right. And for me, it was dealing with the root issue of all the childhood trauma, mm. uh, dealing with some of the things like turning into it. You know what I mean? It, it, it doesn't, it's, it's one of those things that when I work with people, I, I help them turn into it in a way where it's like, listen, you don't have to relive it all the time. You don't even have to, you don't even have to really go through in detail, but at least acknowledging that it's there will give yeah. you the start to, okay, that's why that thing is there. Now you may not have to dive right into it, which is why I stay away from some, uh, some therapies inside of uh, psychology that make you mm. relive instances. I just, I'm not a firm believer that you have to relive that instance to shift the DNA. I know how to do that without going in and reliving it. So yeah, we'll, we'll um, get to that later in the podcast. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> There's a little foreboding there. <laughs> um, yeah. So <clears throat> that was, that was the, the signal for me to, to take a look at what I had not been paying attention to. And obviously the things that I didn't pay attention to were the things from my childhood and the things that I had dealt with in the military. I'd spent so long numbing them out that I, I finally woke up to the fact that it's like, dude, it's just going to continue to progressively get worse. This is just going to compound and compound and compound. Um, and in 2016 was one of my biggest wake up calls. I was already really working myself out of the alcoholism and the drug addiction. I had, I had done good on stopping. I went through two weeks of, of some pretty serious DTs. Uh, I was the stubborn guy that didn't go and, you know, do the, the treatments and do it under doctor's care. I just, ah, the soldier syndrome just suffered through it for absolutely two weeks of hell. <clears throat> um, and then of course worked on shifting my diet and adding the things back in. Uh, and I wasn't fully there, but in 2016 is when dad killed himself. And in that moment, that mm. was the catalyst. That's when everything kind of came together. I was wow. already pulling my, my shit together, so to speak. And then that happened and I realized the thing, that direction, you know, that I had, I knew I needed to take. Mm. I was headed away anyways, working myself out of that deep, dark hole. And the thing is, it's like, I already had yoga in my tool bag. I already had breath work in my tool bag. So obviously I just kind of put everything away, which is typically what we all do, right? And especially if you have childhood trauma, you like to bag everything up. That's a nice, effective tool for you and put it over to the side and to the bag of when I have time for it things, yeah. you know? Yeah. So uh, that was that was one of the things that I had realized when that moment hit, when dad took his own life. I was like, dude, you could have been, 
you could have like just shared some of that stuff because even just a spark was sharing something like that with somebody else will send them down a rabbit hole. Now they're reading books on yoga nidra, and now they're reading you know books on breathing or whatever else just because you gave them a little taste. Yeah. So are are you saying that you wish at that point you wished you could have shared with your father some of the things you knew, and you were hoping that it would have maybe saved his life? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I know it helped me through my suicidal ideations. It helped me, you know, I had, I had finally gotten to that point where I was realizing the more that I did these things, there was something happening up here, not just in this, you know mm, what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, when that had fallen on me and of course that happened with him, that was kind of the wake up call. Like, yeah, get out there, start, start teaching these things that you've been studying now for almost a decade, mm. especially when it came to yoga and the ancient breath techniques and stuff. You know, I'd been studying that since 99 when I, I got out and wow. put it into practice. So Nine, yeah, it was a wake up call. Jeez, 16 years, <laughs> 17 at that point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. So yeah, to take us what happened after. Yeah. F so father just killed himself. You had a huge wake up call. Take us through that chapter. Yeah, so huge wake-up call, uh, and that was the time also that I found out that I had a tumor in my sigmoid colon um, and was diagnosed stage 2 colon cancer. So at that, it was, it was like a one-two, boom-boom. Um, but I was also in a different headspace. So that was one of my first moments that, um, you know, I, t I talk about the paralysis as being harder because for me, cancer wasn't even really a fight for me. At that point in time, I had honed in on that mindset that I was going in on like, okay, whatever, this is like a brief little nothing in my history. And it was, it took 18 months and um, I took care of that one with diet and breath and yoga really? and yeah, all the natural S ways. All Sp specifically, all if you, for anyone that's going through cancer right now, what are just like three things within each modality, three things you noticed about your health that you fixed, three things that you did yeah. with all these things? Uh, so the biggest one with diet and, and to be specific, because people will say diet and they just go vegan yeah. or whatever else. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, diet was moving everything to an alkaline environment in the body. Mm. So that was the number one, was shifting diet wow. to be alkaline. As long as it's alkaline, it doesn't matter what you're eating because you're going to be eating mostly fruits and vegetables and, and stuff like that, right? No, no, co no, co no coffee, no meat. Um, no, yeah. no, no. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it, it was easy once I made that decision. You know what I mean? I think that's one of the things is, is that we overcomplicate things. We make things difficult. It was really easy to do. I, well, it was simple. It was simple. You just, it's so simple. You do this after this and then do that and then rinse and repeat. Um, so so, really so al alkaline was the first, what were the two other ones? Yeah. Um, then yoga, of course, and in yoga is also the breath work as well. So breath was key because of course in breathing, you can create more of an alkaline environment inside of your body. So breathing was a really, really big piece inside of that. And then of course the yoga side of, stretching the body open, releasing things, letting go, stretching tendons and keeping the body in that, that prime condition. And when you look at what yoga is anyways, yoga is only there. There's only actually four out of the entire 196 sutras, which are little threads of knowledge in yoga. There's only four of them that are actually physical. Everything really? else is mental. So yoga, those asanas, those positions that you're holding 
are so that you can get the body in prime condition so that you can sit and meditate longer. That's exactly what yoga is meant for. So when you mm -hmm. look at what you're doing with yoga, it's allowing you to sit in those moments. So of course, meditation became a big piece, huge piece. Uh, breath and meditation, I would say, are the biggest ones. And there's the three. So diet, breath, mm. meditation. Gotcha. Those, now, those three. Now, specifically with meditation, because I'm someone, as I told you um, earlier, I'm I'd consider myself an, like an amateur meditator. Um, I've always mm -hmm. struggled with meditation. Like, you know, I do it every morning for 10 minutes. And, you know, okay. the, the, the thing is, I and, you know, maybe you can help me and other people see this like when you're meditating because you just said like meditating helped you cure cancer right that's yeah. that's a big statement that's valid and it's true and it worked for you so a lot of people think including myself like a lot of the time meditation is just you just watching your thoughts like clouds like everyone in the zeitgeist is just like oh it's just mindfulness you just pay attention so for you what is meditation and how did you use it specifically to target cancer yeah, absolutely. So meditation is being able to shift state in body and in mind, right? So inside of the body and the brain, being able to shift from the beta frequency to the alpha and then taking yourself into theta. <clears throat> and there's easier ways to do it than what we've sophomorically been taught and all these cliche ways that we've been taught, you know, sit and silence your mind. No, don't do that. That means <laughs> your brain is turned off and you're dead. There's no silencing the mind. <clears throat> so there's also the watch them like clouds, right? And there's the, you know, these are all good classes or schools of thought, but the easiest way to solve the issue with meditation is to change the state of the body rapidly and immediately. And the easiest way to do that is through breath. Mm. So there's, there's, that's what I do with folks. I mean, I was a combat veteran. I couldn't sit still for two seconds. Squirrel. <laughs> constant. <laughs> <laughs> all the time dude like something shiny syndrome was real for me so there was no sitting still trust me so when i take people through learning <laughs> meditation it's through a series of breaths to the point where you're so blissed out you'll sit there for 5 10 15 minutes because you feel amazing <clears throat> that's the key gotcha. that's the key with meditation is getting your getting yourself shifted to where you can just allow yourself to sit. And when you sit in those moments, that's when the body starts to create all those amazing healing mm. processes inside of the body. Would it be accurate to say that meditation is the container that breath work is used within to do the magic? I would say so. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. Because if you look at it that way, and, and that is valid because breath, meditation is advanced. I tell people that all the time. Like, I get it. Meditation's not easy. It is an advanced form of of relaxing the body and relaxing the mind and breath is your entry point in for sure yeah it's your way to get into that container yeah and, and, and to then physiologic because what you what i heard from you is that it's not necessarily that breath work uh it wasn't that meditation physiologically changed the body it was the breath work within the meditation practice it was actually the breath that changed the state of the body. So again, that's where I said meditation's the it's the framework. It's the it's the box yeah. that holds the practice because it's like yeah. it's hard to do breath work without a meditative practice because it's hard to do breath work. Like med meditation is when you sit still, you take ten minutes out of your day, you you say, okay, I'm not going to do any work. It's like you you build this framework in the mind of I'm going to relax for the time I need to utilize the breath work to start changing the body. 
Yeah, you're so right. Because think about it. Whenever you sit in any meditation, what's the first thing they're going to tell you to do? Focus on your breath. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's the same way with yoga as well. It's 95% of everything. Meditation, yoga. It's all pranayama. It's all breath control. Mm, okay, so so right now, so you just literally cured your cancer with your mm-hmm. diet and a combination of breath work and meditation, which are kind of in some sense one practice. Like, because a lot of people, I think, think about it like breath work and meditation are two separate things. They're kind of like right. It's like a double helix. It's like DNA. It's yeah. kind of they're part of the same thing. And you're trying to say like, oh, this strand is meditation and this strand is breath work. It's like no, put them together. They're one thing. Yeah. It's called DNA. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. They do. They do fit together. Exactly right. So, Mm. um, yeah, it was, it was quite amazing to, to find that. And all this time too, I was kind of solidifying the practice. That is what it is today, which we'll, we'll get into here in a little bit. But, um, that was when I started noticing that neuroscience and psychology side of things as well, because I had gotten back into my studies and, wanted to connect why you know what i mean for me it's a it's it's great to have all these you know fluffy words to tell people and it's amazing to have all this information to give to people but i want to be able to explain it yeah in such a way that will logically connect you inside of your body to the point where you're like viscerally connected with it personally and it it, you feel it like oh that's what's happening inside so once Mm. i started doing that i got really like even deeper into it um, all the way to the point where 2017 is where a friend of mine also gave me, uh, the book becoming supernatural, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Yeah. Um, so started reading him and, uh, of course he's like one of my favorite mentors. Um, and do, do you know him was, personally? I've, I've met him several times. Uh, we, he does know of me. I wouldn't say <laughs> that he knows me personally. Okay. But I, Good. I, it's, I, it's, I it's, it's, it's the same way that I talk about Paul check. I talk, yeah. everyone's like, Oh, Paul is your mentor. Is like, no, his podcast is my mentor. <laughs> <laughs> and I have stood still to the shoulder with him. I have volunteered and, and worked with him on, on certain things. Be- but yeah, beautiful. Not official. Yeah, gotcha. not official. No, you know. not yet. Not yet. It's going to happen. Yeah, have, you're you're going to be friends. I have not been knighted yet. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it is. It is going to happen. So, um, yeah, I, I was given that book, Becoming Supernatural, which, of course, tuned me in even further and just made me realize the way that Dr. Joe breaks it down is is what has inspired me to break everything down in the same fashion. Right. Like the way he breaks down meditation and what's happening inside of the body, the shifting of, of frequencies from alpha to theta down into delta and the way that we do those things. Um, I wanted to do the same thing with breath because to your point, again, it's like breath is always the entry point in. And when you look out there, there's so many misnomers. There's, there's so much misinformation. There's a lack of knowledge and uh, there are breath practitioners that are out there but when you really really look into it there's still just a big blank dark hole inside of mm. that section which is what i want to bring more light to yeah. on the breath side of it. what what are the three <laughs> biggest misnomers you notice about breath work and meditation uh so one of the big things is is nobody even focuses on what their bic or breathing iq is breathing so IQ. the fact that 
Yeah, see, the fact that we don't even know that, that's one of the biggest pieces of misinformation that we don't have. And that allows people to just breathe the way that we do. And it's, it's in every book, every research study, everything that I have looked at from pulmonology all the way to neurology is that we don't breathe from the right place. About 90% of our society breathes from the chest, chest and up. up. So we're, yeah, exactly. If you think about it, your lungs aren't muscles. They need all the muscles surrounding them to breathe. So mostly everybody's breathing. Oh, chest your lungs aren't muscles. No, they need oh, muscles to breathe. Shit. So I, you either, I never noticed that. You either, yeah, the lungs don't actually fill up themselves. What happens? We have a diaphragm underneath our sternum that pulls down and pulls the lungs open. Wow. So that is our, that's our area that we focus on because if not, you're going to be pulling from up here, which is about 90% of society. We notice everybody breathes from the upper chest and the shoulders, which is also why we have a lot of neck tension in wow. our, our culture. But yeah, over 90% of us breathe from these upper areas, not even understanding what the breathing IQ is, which is location of movement and range of movement. So that is, that's one of the biggest black holes out there is nobody even knows about the range of movement or the location of their movement. Where are you breathing from? If you look at a baby, that solves the issue for you. Baby breathes from where? Belly to chest and up. All of us in society, when you actually tune in and slow the breath down, you will naturally start to do it yourself. If you start to really focus on it, let your shoulders fall and just sink into where you're at right now and just start to breathe. Notice what happens. Your belly automatically comes out. So through the day, we don't really have any focus on that. So since we don't have any focus on that, if you don't use it, you lose it in physiology. Mm. What happens? Muscles tighten, tendons tighten. So the Atrophy. sides of your exactly the sides of your ribs, these intercostal muscles close up like a clam, so your ribs can't open. So wow. yeah, that's that's one of the the one of the biggest pieces that I'm I'm working on solving as well. Wow, and and so because this is interesting because like I smoke cannabis you know, usually two or three days a week on my weekends yeah. when, I, when I'm done work and everything and I can just relax. And one thing is intuitively, I always inhale through the diaphragm and I never knew if I was doing that properly because I had this misnomer. Like you just said, I thought there was like almost two separate like lungs. I thought you had like, essentially I thought you had like a lung in your stomach in your diaphragm and then a lung in your upper chest. But like it didn't even, until you just said that, I was like, that makes no sense. Like, again, I almost felt like if I breathe through my diaphragm, I'm not inhaling into the lungs as much as I am when I'm inhaling with my chest. So I would like try to actually inhale with my chest with cannabis and interesting. So, so that's, so one thing is from your modality, should you just inhale through the diaphragm? And then when you feel like the diaphragm has extended as much as possible, you exhale or should you inhale through the diaphragm as much as you possibly can, then inhale through the upper, the, the chest, then, then inhale the third part through the shoulders. Yes, exactly. That last piece is the way that it works. It's that three part, right? Oh. Filling up, you're filling up from the bottom. So you're filling up the belly so that you can open the ribs and then take it all the way into the top and then fill it all the way up to the top. What yeah, about so the, I, I've also heard, like this might be a, um, a thing about visualization, but is there any, um, from your, your knowledge, is there any um, information about filling the head up with air? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. So basically, when you think about it, when you're breathing, especially when you talk about breath holds, you're working now in, in fluid dynamics, right? Pressures, volume, and pressure. So whenever you're holding your breath, you're increasing that pressure. Oh, so course, shit. Oxide. That's, yeah, why, oxide. that's why holding yeah. your breath is so important. Yeah, you're, you're increasing that pressure. The nitric oxide rises inside of your body, three different types, which open your arteries and veins called vasodilation. It creates the serum immunoglobulin inside of your gut. Like all these amazing things happen when you do those breath holds and you feel yourself losing it. Uh. Good, stuff is, good stuff is happening inside your body. You're activating neuropeptides. You're activating... The, the vasodilation of your entire system. So it lowers blood pressure. It's, it's amazing things are happening. Not to mention there is, since you're moving cerebral spinal fluid right inside of that third ventricle at the very top of our, our brain stem, bottom of the brain is where the pineal gland is. So even just little bits of that fluid coming in and out as you're breathing in and out is gonna get any kind of activation. And that basically is where you get a lot of those the phosphorescent type colors or patterns, Whoa. all and, that good stuff. Cause that's the third eye. That's the pineal. Yeah. Is the third eye. And, and we so, create light. Interesting. And so f uh, from, if I'm hearing you correctly, is it the breath? Is it the inhale and exhale that moves the cerebral spinal fluid or is it the inhale and the, is it actually the hold that moves the cerebral spinal fluid after the inhale to the exhale, or is it actually the inhale and the exhale specifically? Like if you never held anything, if you only uh -huh. inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, would you be able to move cerebral spinal fluid and impact the pineal gland? Great question, yes. Yeah, because every time you inhale, the sutures in your brain open, your, your tail waggles just a little bit, and pressure comes up. As you exhale, those sutures close the tail wags forward and pressure comes down. So each time you're breathing in and out, you're creating that in and up, which is called an inductance field as you continue to move because cerebral spinal fluid is a salt and a protein. And when you hmm. take a salt and a protein and you constantly move it, you're creating an induction field. So you're actually, you're now creating like electromagnetic forces inside of the body. It's, kind, it's, it's really amazing when you dig into what this stuff is doing inside of you. Gotcha. And, and, and so just, just to go back to that question again. So, okay. So it's not necessarily the hold that moves the cerebral spinal fluid. So what is so important about the hold within yeah. that process? Yeah. Okay. That's a great question as well. So you're moving the cerebral spinal fluid with each inhale and exhale. The holds are key to squeezing like a, uh, like a toothpaste tube, squeezing that last bit or moving that it, it's called interthecal pressure. When you do those squeeze in, internally with the muscles and kind of forcing that up. So you're really, really activating and the holds as you're holding, like we talked about, you're now holding and pressure, that pressure builds. And that pressure building will create more activation. That pressure inside of the third ventricle, there's little hairs on the side of the, uh, on the pineal gland. And when that is constantly activated and moved, the little rhombohedron crystals inside of the pineal gland will stretch and polarize. And what happens when you polarize something? You're creating an electromagnetic field. So it's, it's kind of amazing. And there's, there's a relation between pineal and pituitary gland as well, creating that electromagnetic force inside of the body. So that's where the holds come in, is it will help you move that pressure up 
So you're creating that pressure up, which is what's going to allow you to just boom, 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 and create that mechanical stress against the pineal gland. Mm, okay. So the piezoelectric effect. Interesting. And, and so, cause, cause I've, I like one of my favorite people is Ben Greenfield and I've learned almost all of my breath stuff from Ben, the little, the little bit that I do do, I learned it from usually Ben and Paul check. Um, uh-huh. and one thing like there's box breathing, which is four, 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 four. So inhale four, hold four, exhale four, hold four. Then you have one thing that Ben does before bed is four, seven, eight, which is inhale four seconds, hold for seven seconds, exhale for eight seconds. The exhale, if it's longer than the inhale, from what I've gathered, makes you more relaxed. If the inhale is more than the exhale, it makes you more like if you want to work out and be, um, yeah, blown up. So interesting about that though, is four, seven, eight. That's not four, seven, eight, seven. That's four, seven, eight, meaning there's no hold after the exhale. So from your perspective, why is it, why is important? Why does there need to be a distinction of when to do the hold, whether it be after the inhale or after the exhale? That's another great question. And it can go either way with a lot of those techniques, right? Four, four, eight, four, seven, eight all of those box breathing, you can shift where the holds are and either have one at the inhale or have one at the exhale, or you have one at both. So either one, like you've spoken to, will do what you're looking to do. If you want to energize the body, you're going to take the hold longer on the inhale. If you want to decrease the energy in the body, you take the longer hold on the exhale. You can also add both of those in there. And if you think about it as well on the exhale holds, The reason those are so effective, especially if you're looking like you're talking about going to sleep, right? You breathe out longer on the exhale. And if you hold on the exhale as well, you've now bottomed out your CO2. So again, what are you, what are you doing when you bottom out CO2? You're creating an alkaline environment inside the body. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's the beautiful part about all this is, is the breath is so interchangeable and there's so many breath practitioners out there that each method has its own thing that it can do brother like this this is blowing my mind because i've like you're you're giving me information i've never heard of ever like this is the most i've ever learned you're amazing thank you um thank you now here's the thing with ben he he taught maybe he actually is not as well versed in this as maybe you are can you like let's give ben the benefit of the doubt so he's saying before bed do a four seven eight meaning inhale four hold seven exhale eight why doesn't he do a four, eight, seven? Um, you know, that's a great question. I would have to talk with him personally. Of course, with the longer inhale holds, you're going to kind of be elevating a little bit of energy. So he could be getting an arousal out of the, whenever you're breathing in, especially through the nose, you're, you're activating a limbic system. So you could be arousing, he could be looking for that arousal in the amygdala, which is not a bad arousal. Because if you're using breath, of course, you're arousing it in a different way. You're arousing the sympathetic nervous system to not be as on point like it usually is during beta frequencies because you're breathing. Yeah. So you're, you're getting a different type of arousal through that. That's the only thing I can think on his inhale and holding for or up for seven. Is, well, 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 he's holding holding so, on a seven, right? Well, so what he's doing is he's inhaling for four, so not very much. Yeah. He's exhaling yeah. for eight, so he's actually yeah. doing double the exhale. Um, but he he holds the seven on the inhale because um, based on what you just said, um, 
because didn't you just mention that he's doing a lot of inhale yet he he's not he's yeah, only he's, doing four seconds and then he's yeah, actually he's double. only doing it's the hold yeah so it's the hold that he's holding for seven i see that yeah. yeah four seven eight yeah so the hold the short inhale and then yeah. of course the hold you're basically you're going to get the rising of the nitric oxide there as well so you get a bit of that because of course when you're holding for that long you'll start to get that loopy feeling and then the exhale being longer is i see what he's doing it's it's allowing that alkaline environment once again and then of course the longer exhale will allow you to, to kind of settle in i like doing some of the holds afterward as well yeah, so this I'm is just another that. example of this is another example of there's no real wrong way yeah. to do it there's just what i have found are short adjustments or little small adjustments to what everybody's been taught that they teach as well um to now kind of figuring out some of the codes you know mm -hmm. what i mean whenever you work through some of my breath practices you'll see it's it's intuitively finding some of the codes and mixing that neuroscience information on why what's happening what neuromodulations you're creating what nervous system that you're enacting whether it's peripheral nervous system or the spinal column itself or uh, the vagal nerve system and all that stuff so it's like it, it has this big play on it yeah. Um, which is now where we can make it fun. Now it's, it's really fun <laughs> for me because we shift between about 18 different breath techniques that oh, I wow. use. Um, and a lot of them are based on some of the similar breaths that people have seen, you know, Tumo breathing in and out through the nose, uh, Soma breath in and out through the mouth, kind of like Wim Hof. There's several different ways of doing it. And then, of course, with the way that I have created the welcome home method itself, it's it's fit like a puzzle everything fits right mm. where it should be we're activating certain gene expression activating certain oh, wow. nerve endings specific like very specific wow yeah. <laughs> and, and when you are um so just to finish that for everybody so it's probably best if you want to fall asleep and you have a racing mind or tossing and turning probably best thing to do is four eight seven so inhale four seconds exhale eight or actually would the best thing for falling asleep be four seven eight seven yeah you could do four seven eight seven as well um for me honestly i would just go four four eight four four that, eight that's, yeah so that's you, you, you hold, you four, hold. Hold, four exhale because then what are you focusing on more? You're focusing more on the exhale, which will constantly be the release. You do probably four rounds of four, four, eight, and that, that'll help you settle in too. But again, there's no, I can't yeah. tell him he's wrong for doing four, seven, eight. Yeah, I, I just find that interesting. So you actually don't, like if you want to fall asleep, you don't want to hold after the exhale. You just want to allow the exhale to go all the way down? Yeah, just kind of let it let let everything be organic. In fact, there's one of the practices that I guide people through whenever I'm having them breathe where I'll also have them tense the entire body. So you tense the entire body, you inhale and hold. And then as you exhale, you let everything go. And that somatically releases so much of the body as well as mm. that exhale being the, the relaxation point for the everything to just sink in. Wow, that that's beautiful. And then back to so this Joe Dispenza stuff. So you just said you have 18 meditations and each of them have a way of specifically targeting epigenetics in the body and turning on and off different signals in the body. I'm paraphrasing. Um, yes. <laughs> is it, is it, is it the actual breath itself? Is it the breath technique that turns on and off 
the signals or is it the breath technique that then uh, formed with intention? Is it the intention that chooses what turns on and off? And the breath work is almost like the conduit or the power source that allows the intention to actually have the, the power, the energy input to turn on and off an epigenetic marker. Yeah, yeah, these are great questions. And it's going to be kind of a two-part yes on both of those. Uh, yes, on the activation on the breast side of things, and yes, on you know what what follows that that activation, right? So when we're looking at specific activation of genes, especially through these these epigenetic markers, especially with the way that the body is, whenever we can activate very specific genes or nerve endings, then we create activation of very specific genes, very specific proteins, trophic factors which are basically proteins that create cell survival. So when we look, uh, for instance, at, let's look at one called brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And that is a, a gene that activates during certain breath that will be activating internal nostrils. Like, so you have nerve endings inside of your nasal mucosa that attach to your olfactory bulb. And whenever we can breathe in a certain way to activate those, then that's going to help to activate BDNF especially. And that BDNF will create a protein that we find in brain and spinal tissue. So mm. that's an example of the breath being able to acute intermittent hypoxia, being able to activate a specific genotype. Inde so, independent of intention. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Independent of intention, just that specific type of acute intermittent hypoxia will activate that genotype. And then, of course, there's also the other side, which when you move into that meditative state and now you're setting an intention around something, Vasoprene, which is a very comforting drug that the body creates that relaxes everything else is, is created, which allows the lungs to naturally expand and bring in more oxygen, which again will then take you deeper into that sense of relaxation. So, of course, that also proves in itself that intention wrapped around that it's like a, a beautiful marriage between the two. The breath will help you activate certain genotypes. It will help create certain processes inside of the body. And then your intention wrapped around that as well will just take it even further. So yeah, wow. beautiful marriage. That, 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 that is awesome. So to go back to your story here for a second. So you had just um, cured cancer through all this stuff. You got Joe Dispenza's book from your friend. How does this play into this next part of your life? Yeah. Yeah. So of course, you know, the things, uh, 2019, <laughs> <laughs> 2019, I looked down at my cell phone, not to like answer a text, but you know how it's like your phone goes off and you just briefly do that thing. Yeah, yeah. So of course I, I briefly look over and look up just in time to go, ah, shit, head on car crash. <sighs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, everything's going great. Firing on all cylinders <laughs> made it through all of these things. And then pow. Yeah. <laughs> Again, Jesus Christ, yeah. man. Yeah, so there was, after I, I got over the what the fuck just happened, you know, scenario, the, I, I'm smelling gunpowder, I'm woozy, like Mike Tyson just hit me with a cross. Uh, and then all of a sudden my door is opening and you hear this, because my ears are still kind of ringing. Wow. And then it's, it's a fireman and I'm like, what the fuck? 
dude. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> like immediately. He even saw it too. I just sat back in my chair. I was like, you got to be shitting me right now. No. And then he wants me to get up out of my car. And as he pulls on my arm to help me out, I flop right onto the ground. And I'm like, you guys are going to have to do this for me. Apparently I can't, I, my legs don't work. So I couldn't feel anything Ugh. from like the side of my hips down. Everything wow. was turned off. I tried, I tried, I tried. So yeah, there was, I'll be honest. There was a little bit of a, <laughs> I have some videos of me doing the positive thing, and, <laughs> you know, being that guy in it. But the first, if you would have been there the first hour, you would have been like, Ooh, wow. he's, he's mad. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So I fell into it for a good hour there. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> 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 me, and, me and the universe were having a conversation at a higher a higher elevation of volume so yeah it was it was an hour of i was a little upset there for a minute uh you know the what the fuck settled settled in in a big way <laughs> like dude come on man um and then after i got over that i realized okay don't worry it's just a temporary thing they came back with the scans and recognized it was just a spinal impact on the column which thank god again it's an impact of the spinal tissues, so it, the body naturally shuts everything down. It's a safety mechanism. You want these things to happen, even though it's in that moment, you're like, what the fuck is happening? You want those things to happen because the body knows intuitively, like, okay, all yeah. of that's got to go for right now. We got some shit to heal before we can let any of that happen. Mm. So, yeah, um, that came in key, though, because now what? I've got Dr. Joe's work. Uh, I've got all the breath stuff, you know, the breath techniques and yoga that I can't really use the yoga in, in the bed, except for some time to put it stuff. into practice. Yeah. What else am I going to do? I'm stuck in a hospital. So yeah, for, for just, I was solid, a crackhead for two weeks, <laughs> probably meditating for four hours a day, three different breath practices all through the day. There were times like they would come in and they knew just to go out. If they saw my eyeballs rolling into the back <laughs> of my head or, uh, at first, it kind of freaked them out because they'd come into the room and I'm over there. Wait, wait, really? So, so your breath work, you can end up having like convulsions? There's, there's times like I go so deep into the breath work. It's not a bad thing. It's just, it's called tetany. Mm. So whenever you, whenever you do the holds, like, you know, you'll get like the claws. Uh, there are times too, because you're creating that electromagnetic field inside of yourself, I will get these little these little twitches, but the most amazing feeling is happening throughout wow. my body. You're just, yeah, you're just in this blissful state, and the body is you're you're sending these brand new proteins down your huh. your nerves. Your nerves are the drug dealer of your body. They're handing all this stuff out, right? So you're wow. creating all these things inside of breath and creating all these processes. So of course, there's times when your nervous system's like, "What the fuck is wow. happening?" And, 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 and what's and and if, if I heard you correctly, what's causing the convulsion? The, let's call them good, benevolent convulsions. Is mm -hmm. is the holding? That's what's mm -hmm. causing it. It's not the, the inhaling. Holding, the inhaling as well. So it's kind of a it's a it's a, uh, a two plus. But, yeah, but, you, but sword. you you have to do the hold. You can't just do inhale exhale. Okay, gotcha. You have Keep to going. Do, the hold. The hold is key in creating to increase the, the pressure. Oxide. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. The pressure and the nitrous. You need both. If you don't have that increase in pressure, you don't have the rising <sighs> of the three different types of nitric oxide. It's that whole mixture 
that it takes it. Uh, That's why the welcome home method is, is created the way that it is. It's, okay. it's wrapping all of these pieces together into one puzzle. Because whenever you do like intermittent hypoxia, they just slap a mask on you and the machine yeah. does, you know, the breathing for you. No, this is you using your breathing apparatus, increasing your breathing IQ. So the breath is having a difference and then the holds are having a difference and then got, the gotcha. is having a difference. And, and just just because this is actually bringing another question just so I can finally just have this completely straight in my head. Um, is the only thing a hold does is increase pressure or does it actually upregulate um, molecules? It's Or is it just pressure? What is it? Both. It does both. So you're okay. increasing you're increasing pressure and then that breath hold whenever you have the breath hold now the oxygen is starting to bottom out. Now your CO2 will also start to bottom out and your uh, your nitrous oxide rises. 80% of what we breathe is nitrogen and mm. of course we are made with nitrogen and hydrogen and oxygen and all the elements, right? So of course as we're breathing and we do those holds the three different types of nitric oxide. One of them that I really focus on is called epithelial nitric oxide. And epithelial nitric oxide treats the epithelium, which is that thin layer that covers all of your organs, all of your lung tissue and everything, which basically has immunocells inside of that. So it's really important for that to elevate and for that to rise because then you're going to create that more alkaline system inside. It'll purify your blood. Like all these amazing things are happening. So yeah, both. The breath okay. is activating a piece and then the hold is activating a piece. I I interesting. So, cause like this kind of goes back to high school a bit. It's funny how, first of all, I, I'm not a huge fan of it, major education systems. I think they're mostly bullshit, but Same. like, you know, you, you do hear like, you know, we breathe in oxygen and then we breathe out carbon dioxide, right? Yes. So we breathe, because yeah. one thing interesting you just said is when you hold your breath, you bottom out oxygen that you inhaled, you bottom out the carbon dioxide that you'd usually exhale, and then what is upregulated is nitrous oxide. And so is it possible to upregulate nitrous oxide with just an inhale or an exhale? You can actually. You can. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So especially the more that you train your breathing IQ, the more you increase your breathing IQ, you can get to the point like right now. And that little hold right there. Yeah, I could feel it like already the nitrous oxide. So even just one deep breath in and holding at the top, you'll already start to feel that loopy feeling. That's the elevation of the nitrous oxide coming up. Wow. So you can actually feel it. Like you've, you've attuned your body so much that you can actually feel the chemicals in your, in your body. I can feel the rise. And basically what you're doing is you're also training these pieces. So one piece of Qigong is to, when you hold to swallow the energy. So you're literally swallowing down into your belly and creating just a little pressure against your belly. And when you do that and you let everything else go, it increases that pressure inside of the head as well. So that entire time, yeah, I can feel everything starting to rise. And that's when all of these beautiful rides start to happen. These colors and patterns start to flash. Like it's the more you wow. do it, the stronger the response gets, you know, you become yeah. from the body. Well, like you said, a muscle and, and this, like I, I have a, a musician background. I, I review music and stuff. 
um, for my other job when I'm not podcasting. It, and the reason why I bring this up is one thing I've noticed about music is when you don't play an instrument or you don't pay attention to music, music is just like, it's music. Like you can't really pick apart the drums and the guitars and the vocals and the violin and the, the backing vocals and the, like there's all this stuff going on, but it's a wall of noise. And yeah. so from what I've gathered, the same is true when you are an amateur at the breath, that when you breathe, you have, you know, you're, you're bringing, breathing in oxygen. There's carbon dioxide happening in the body. There's nitrous oxide happening in the body. But to you, it's just a wall of feeling. It's just like, I, something's happening. I don't know what the fuck it is. But from what I just gathered about you is just like a musician, how you become trained you, and you can pick out the guitar, the guitar notes that no one else can, can hear. They only hear just this wall of sound. You can hear the specific notes, ghost notes, the pitches, the everything. From your standpoint, as you develop into a an intermediate and master meditator and breathwork engineer, are you almost able to feel like, oh, that's oxygen. Oh, that's nitrous oxide. Oh, th-. and you literally, rather than just be these... Ten, three to ten different physiological responses happening in the body you're like i actually can through my consciousness my awareness notice the different feelings of different chemicals in the body and when they're up and down regulating is that true it is it is it's, it's actually pretty amazing to tune into um especially in and we have a lot of our warriors that are, are talking about this whenever they're sitting in those for instance in the rest points after the holds right so when you sit in the rest points and you exhale there's this chill that literally just comes over the entire body it's like a wave and you start to feel you'll tune into the fact that holy crap that is carbon dioxide completely leaving the body and this sweeping of brand new oxygen and stem cells that are moving throughout yeah because stem cells don't like oxygen so whenever (laughs) you hold whenever you're holding your body starts to produce dude that's radical keep going so there's all kinds of amazing things that are happening when you when you move through these processes intentionally and it's funny because you're training you're literally training the body to realize okay we're not actually going into chronic hypoxia we're not entering hypercapnia which is you know a, a negative side effect of holding the breath for too long increasing blood pressure you know all these bad things happening we're actually antiing that and that's why we're doing a lot of this research because you put all those pieces together and the next thing you know you're literally training to body the body to become your own alchemist you're literally creating over 1200 different metabolites inside of the body neuropeptides activating gene expression all of these things are happening inside of you just by moving through a process intentionally it's amazing wow and these cultures thousands of years ago knew it Dude, I'm just just proving it with science. (laughs) Bro, they they were like, they knew this. They mapped out the solar system. They knew Pluto existed before we did. It's it's wild. Okay, so we're back though. So you're you're convulsing in your hospital bed and you're freaking the the nurses and stuff out. So take us from there. (laughs) Yeah, so they would, they of course, they figured out what I was doing. And in a a great way, it it, it introduces them to the work, right? Ah, yeah. There's there's constantly with what I do, I run into, I have surgeons, uh, doctors, psychiatrists who have not experienced any of these things. And then they go through it 
and immediately their cognitive dissonance goes away because, of course, they're classically trained in medicine. So they're like, there's no way any <laughs> of these things are happening. Stop it. And then they do it themselves and they fall on it. So it was kind of like that moment for my nurses and stuff. They realized they were like, what the hell is at first? Of course, if I was a nurse, I'm like, what the hell is wrong with this kid? I go in there. He's like fishing out. Uh, or eyes are rolling into the back of his head and, and, you know, they finally connected when they walked in. If they saw me like that and my eyes are rolling, I'm doing this pineal activation breath that's got me on cloud bliss. Just leave me alone. Let me do my thing. <laughs> so, yeah, eventually it moved into them understanding that, oh, okay, uh, besides the physical therapist coming and making sure that I get my my assisted steps for that day or whatever else it was they knew that i was working through my own process just bring him his food whenever it's ready <laughs> mm. so wow. that one took that one took seven months so it took a lot less time because i knew what i was doing um it was still tough <laughs> it was it was still super challenging and i wanted to give up several times um mm. but i i used that as as my my chance to kind of show people, you know, and I, I created some videos during that time just to mm. show them, like, try, you don't have to, even if you have to take a bite out of the shit sandwich that's handed <laughs> to you, <laughs> there's a Big Mac on the other side of this challenge. Don't worry. It's a healthy you, Big Mac. A healthy Big Mac, <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, so you're, 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 you just healed from that. So you have your car crash. And then, so at this point, I'm guessing I, the last part of your story you said was getting into right now where you're at pretty much is epigenetics and spirituality. So how, so you just healed, it took you seven months to heal that. What, what are you doing now with your life after that seven months? Yeah, that instant I knew immediately I was going back to finish my master's, which I'm doing now and moving into my PhD. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I will have my master's finished um, by summer of next year and then moving into my dissertation for my doctorate in psychology. So, yeah, that that would put a halt on everything else. It's like it's one of those universal redirects like we don't give you many chances like this. Are you sure you don't want to make some shifts and adjustments with your life? So I woke well. up and realized, all right, you're playing it small. It's time to it's time to like start up and what you're doing out there. Start creating and adding some value. Yeah. Educate what, yourself further. Yeah. What? Uh, sorry to go back. Say, what were you actually doing with your life when you got in the car crash? So I was teaching yoga uh, as well as uh, at, for True Fusion out here. It's well, it's it's in several places. It's a big big chain of uh, yoga and Pilates studios. So I was a, a yoga and Pilates trainer, teacher trainer. So I was doing a lot of that, but you realize when you're teaching a room of 30 people that you're limiting yourself to your mm. audience. Not that that's a yeah. bad thing, nothing against yoga instructors. I love that. It's just I knew that I wanted to reach more people. There's no way I'm going to achieve what I want to achieve by reaching out to 30 people every day. Yeah five times a day beating myself into oblivion as a yoga instructor it's funny we call it martyrdom you know martyr <laughs> syndrome where you are working like 10 to 15 or teaching 20 classes out of the week and just like the maid's house that's filthy as hell the yoga instructor starts to not do yoga it's wow <laughs> yeah so unless you're like really and, and i was doing great i would still practice my yoga so i was on my stuff but 
still you find yourself in this realm of, of you're just worn out. And while yes, you're helping a small number of people, I could just, this something inside of me was tuned in to you, you can do more, you can do way more. Mm. There's more for you to do. And this accident was kind of that again, catalyst for yeah. see universe came in like you know how it is it'll whisper at you for a minute yeah, and then yeah. it's, if you don't listen man, boom! Starts, <laughs> yeah you start talking louder and then it starts throwing pebbles at you and hitting you in the forehead annoying the shit out of you and then it stomps on you and it puts you down if you continue to ignore yeah. so yeah that was that was my moment like all right all right <laughs> yeah so, so yeah so you realize um, like okay i want to do something big with my life and, and go from there. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the point I realized it's time to go back to school. Uh, and it's not, you know, there's so many people that are successful and I'll, I'll highlight those that are super successful in business and, and you didn't go to school. That's amazing for me. Me going back to school was helping me to create that bridge, which is the mm. West meets East. You know what I mean? Oh. I wanted, if I'm going to do that, I need to be one of them. I need to mm. be one of the Western doctors trained in their, their ways. So that way, when I do group You're those right. two things together, right. it makes it so much easier for me to go, look, Recognition. trust me, I'm a doctor and I'm taking this and mixing it with that. So it does, it already helps with, I train psychologists and psych and, and psychiatrists and doctors in bottom up therapies, somatic based therapies. Um, so moving into that was, was what I wanted to do, but I, I realized I didn't just want to do it for the corporate types and the doctors and the people that I had been training. I had been training all the other folks, but I wanted it to be available for everybody. It's like, everybody should know these secrets. It's our birthright. Oh my God, you're yeah. born with the ability to do this, but they, they train it out of us because of their BS educational systems, to your point. <laughs> All of these things that take you away from that training and take you away from what you're actually capable of. So that's what I wanted to do was, was to dig back into that in a big way. So started going back to school for my neuroscience, uh, psychology side, of course, finishing that up because I already had a good start on that. So finishing my master's and PhD in psychology first and then turning around with my neuroscience education as well and getting my double doctorate in neuroscience to make sure that it's, we can piece all these things together, you know, and there's, there's also talks of me possibly adding a third in with some pulmonary mm. working in the, the breathing apparatus, but that's, you know, later down the stage just to make sure we mix all the science together for people to logically surrender to this, which was my thing. It's like, if you want, people to surrender to a technique or to surrender to a method and surrender, not being giving up, you know, surrender being diving in all the way, grabbing that thing and holding on and going on the ride. Then you got to make them understand what the hell's happening inside of them. Dude. Yeah. I, I, I feel you, man. And so, yeah. So right, right after this, so it's, it's getting, you're getting more, are you getting more into Joe Dispenza after this point or are you kind of already head over heels and in, in Joe's work and spirituality. Yeah, I'm, and I'm pretty much already in his work. I go to about five. Uh, I did five retreats this last year, uh, volunteered at one of them in Niagara oh, wow. Falls. So I always say it's like, I'm the peanut butter to his jelly. I, I <laughs> teach breath and how to get into meditation. 
and he has some very amazing advanced meditations and his retreats are, are second to none. So we're, uh, I'm already partners with give to give and we're working on a partnership with Dr. Joe's, um, unlimited company in Cephalon. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's wild. Like, and, and now, so th this is essentially you're up to date with your story. Like this is where you are yeah. right now. Yeah. Okay. This is where we are now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, go on. Yeah, no. So we've, uh, since Niagara actually, which is when I was volunteering, that's, it all kind of came together at that point. I've been studying ancient breath techniques for about 20 years now. Uh, had just about a decade worth of education and neuroscience and psychology and epigenetics and uh, now taking that and finally putting all the puzzle pieces together this year around my birthday is when uh, The Willful Warrior was created. And now we're already growing by leaps and bounds. Um, and the, the technique that has been created inside of that is called the Welcome Home Method. And with the welcome home method, I'm speaking to you from that space that I talked about, you know, when I was looking over my, uh, looking over the guy, watching him revive me. Yeah. So whenever I take you through a practice, you'll hear me say, welcome home and you'll feel it. Everybody connects with it because we get you into this state of bliss. And it's, it's funny because with science, we can track that. That's a neuropeptide. It's called anandamide. So when we move through these, these breath practices, we're going to create anandamide. Uh, there are low levels of dimethyltryptamine that can be created mm. when you move through the breath. So you are activating small stores of your own DMT. It's you know, the, the pineal gland and pituitary gland working together, transmutes serotonin into melatonin, melatonin into DMT and five other different metabolites. So yeah, your body has its own way if you move through these processes to create its own uh, hallucinogenics. Um, so you're also going to create and upregulate all of your healthy hormones, oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine, uh, your endorphins start to rise. We have uh, stage four cancer patients that love this practice because it's a pain pill. Endorphins rising anesthetize the body. So it's, it's pretty amazing to see a lot of these shifts happen. And this is all since come about and now the uh, the welcome home method is in full swing <laughs> yeah is is it something like how how do you teach it is it a subscription model like how does the whole thing work like because i know you're going to take us through a bit of breath work in the last 15 minutes of this uh, of this podcast like is this something that you're open to sharing with the world or is it like yeah. you can't know about it until you join our subscription thing membership club yeah, no, great question. In fact, the way that we have it is if you go to our YouTube, we have a couple of free uh, tries for you there. One of them is called the SCI or spinal cord injury and neurological disorder practice. And then there's also one with a Q&A session on there. So you can have some like advanced questions answered, help mm. you really kind of increase your breathing IQ. So like I said, we're here to serve. So we have some free offerings that people could, you could run with those and, and completely create a great practice centered around that. Um, and then we do have a membership basis and we also have a way for people to just shop and buy each individual practice that they might want as well. So we've got, it's like something for everyone. We've got the free stuff. We've got the membership model. If you want to come in and be a member of the community. And then we also have the, if you're just the individual that wants that one practice, go grab that for yourself. So kind of bit for every, it's something for everyone. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that, 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 that's, that, that's interesting. Like, I'm always curious about business models and stuff. Cause it's yeah, like, yeah. Especially as we move into the future, it's like, you know, because <laughs> there's like part of me that is um, very eager to immediately kind of start uh, embracing agrarian lifestyles, more community based things and taking care of each other. And I even heard Paul Check kind of talk about this the other day, that it seems like society is kind of going in these two two camps where one of them is very technologically adept, you know, mainstream, you can call it even like propaganda and just massive government oversight. And then you have these other like splintering societies of Dr. Joe Dispenza, Greg Braden, Aubrey Marcus, Paul Check. I'm going in that direction. Joe Rogan will probably be going in that direction because he's been annexed from mainstream essentially. Yeah. And like, I'm very even curious um, of like, you know, what does that future look like? What is the role of money in that future? Because, you know, th- th- this this goes into funny territory and uh, you can talk about this if you'd like. But like even with like, you know, central bank digital currencies rolling out and stuff, it's like mm-hmm. these two societies are going in these different directions. And then if there is this central ba- bank uh, digital currency that is the currency for the entire world you're essentially locked into that system because they can program that money so that people that are trying to live their own subsistence agrarian community focused lifestyles actually aren't able to do that with the money from this side so from your perspective what does your kind of vision of the future look like in your the willful warrior and your community and in the membership there. Cause I know this is going a lot deeper than, than we were in a second, yeah, year, good though. but good. I'm like, yeah, I feel like we're both kind of on, on a similar page in this. So yeah. How do you kind of see the future going in, in your place in it in the future? Yeah. Yeah. I'm one of those that is hopeful. Of course, I come from the school of thought that your thoughts become your feelings, your feelings become your destiny. So of course, I am super in tune and hopeful uh, for the future, because especially when you look at communities like you're talking about, it's essentially what we have creating here, right? It's a movement more than it is just a company. You know, we're here to make sure that we add value to the world to help uh, as much as we can to elevate that consciousness. So I see things, I think people pull naturally towards that community side of things. We are social creatures. I mean, we're born in a human being and grown in a human being. How more social can you get? <laughs> so I think, I think naturally, based on, on what I've seen, what I've been through myself, even psychological training, all of these other things, I'm hopeful on the sides of watching more and more people come over to this community way of doing yeah. things. Uh, I think it's it's already catching, you know, that's why there's a lot of turmoil and all these these things that we're seeing. It's like whenever something is dying, it's loudest. It's it, you know, it's when it's loudest, it's most yeah. loudest, right? Or it's, it's strongest, like a dying animal is strongest at its end and it's loudest at its end. So mm. I, I think that society wise, we're, we all notice things are broken the way that that used to be. And no matter how they want to polish the turd, it's still going <laughs> to be a turd. <laughs> You know, it's a, you can, no matter what you do, it's still going to be a turd. It's so it's never going to change. And I think everybody's kind of caught on to that way of being, which is why movements like the welcome home method or other, you know, followings that are out there are, are taking the world by storm. Cause everybody knows the old way is broken. 
Yeah. Amen, brother. And <laughs> that's, um, like, I'm very hopeful of that, too. Like, I, I'm just yeah. seeing, like, ever since COVID, it's, like, woken up so many people to, like, essentially, almost like how your car crash kind of went, okay, you get to reevaluate the way you want to live your life and your future. I feel like COVID yeah. was that for everybody. It was like, yeah, all right, it was like, let's it was slow like down. an automatic red pill for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, some people went even deeper into it and they're like, I believe yeah. everything the government says. And other people are like, huh, there's definitely some fishy business here. But yeah, yeah it's like, yeah. I just, you know, because again, like it forced so many people's hands, I feel. Yeah. There were a lot of people yeah. that were like on the middle on the center and like they didn't yeah. really want to like you, you know you, you could even with like you know Eckhart Tolle or Bruce Lipton or Greg Braden and stuff there's probably a lot of people that were playing to both sides and trying to wake up the people that weren't awakened and then you know also they are firmly with the people that are already awake and there's like right. a lot of people were in the middle same with Joe Rogan obviously and then like COVID happens and then it's like, all right, there's no middle anymore. It's like, you know, it's right. either, you know, it's <laughs> spirituality and liberation or just fucking matrix and metaverse for the rest of time. And it's just <laughs> like, it, it, it's, it's, it's just, it's beautiful because all these people, like, because I've always been like a skeptic, always, ever since I was a kid. And I, I'd always like, I'd listen to podcasters and people and, and I, I would always wonder like when push came to shove, what would you do? What would you react? Right. How would you react? Because you're, you're you're speaking big right now. You're saying all the right things. You're saying you're courageous. You're saying you're a warrior. You're saying that there, we can make a better world. But it's like when you actually have the opportunity and you could lose everything, how are you going to react? And, and luckily, so many people, again, Dispenza, Lipton, Braden, all these people, it's like they just firmly went, yeah, this is the life we want. Like it's no longer we're kind of like, you know, slowly ebbing that up. Now it's like, okay, let's, let's do it right now. Like we don't have time, people. We're going to do it right exactly. now. We're no longer going to wait for the age of Aquarius to take over and, and this <laughs> galactic energy to just force this like we need to right now. And so I think just it's beautiful talking to people like you and just with my podcast as I'm getting more and more courageous with, you know, like at first, you know, I would have kind of anybody on my podcast. If yeah. they were on this side or that side, I was just like, I'm just going to have a podcast and have interesting conversations. And I've just recently in the last month, like really looked at my podcast and went, I'm not making a podcast. I'm forming a tribe. And uh -huh. same with the Willful Warrior. Go. It's like, you know, I, I see this as like we're all – it was before just like, oh, yeah, we're podcasters, we're YouTubers, we're yoga teachers. Like now it's like we're all building communities and tribes. And f like ever since COVID again, community is like the number one thing that everything is built around that. We, I think we've massively downplayed the importance of community before COVID yeah. and COVID made us go, whoa, community yeah. is the linchpin that holds everything together, you know? Absolutely. I totally agree. I think that was one of the biggest wake up calls for everybody. Like, oh my God, I'm going to hug my neighbor tomorrow. <laughs> Even if they don't want me to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't care if it's weird. I'm going to hug him. Yeah. They, it's like they woke everybody up to, like you said, the importance of community and the importance of us pushing this cart in the same direction. It was the biggest wake up call. So I know I'm thankful for it. One of the silver lining 
you know, silver linings in the cloud for sure was all of us waking the fuck up, realizing that we're all working for the same thing. Let's push it in the same direction. Oh, brother. And um, now to, to finish up the podcast, what I'll say right now for everybody is oh. Leland is having some inter- internet issues. So I'm going to, in the show notes of this podcast on both YouTube, Spotify, whatever you're watching this podcast or listening to this podcast, I'm going to have all of Leland's breathwork techniques, how to join the Willful Warrior program, everything that he's mentioned in this podcast, I'm going to put in the description of this podcast. So it'll be super easy, literally just websites and clicks and everything. So you can join all of his programs, check out the free trials and then if you really fall in love with what he's doing you can go and do the whole shebang and join his tribe his community of like-minded people who are looking to raise consciousness through breath work so how's that sound Lila? sounds amazing brother <laughs> thanks for rolling with the whole tuesday i love how we flow yeah man well this this was absolutely beautiful so thank you so much for coming on and thank you to everybody for watching this this is definitely one of my favorite podcasts i've done so i hope that you guys enjoyed this as much as i did and i'll see you next one i love you bye Thanks for tuning into the show today, everybody. If you enjoyed it and you want to show your support, be sure to click the subscribe button and share this podcast with someone you feel will enjoy it. And before we go, I want to take another moment to thank our sponsors, Listening to Smile and Indigo Sun. And if you're interested in anything I mentioned regarding either of them, be sure to visit their websites, which are linked in the description of this podcast. And that's it. So I'll see you all in the next episode. I love you. Bye.